0: I'm going the
1: Hello, hello,
2: hello! Hi there, everyone! Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I'm so excited about this event. I um, we have such a special night planned for you. We have eight amazing trailblazing. Women experts who are here to share their best advice in the areas of career, health, life, love, and business. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in just your day to day, and sometimes you end up being like uninspired. And you know, you sometimes you just need a little nudge or something just to like reinvigorate you. Or maybe there's something on your mind that you've been hoping to do one day, and you have no one to ask. So, I think this is going to be an amazing night for you. Um, my name is Angela Watley. I am a hypnotist, um, NLP success coach, and author. And um, I am so excited because I think this is a great opportunity to um, for you guys to learn and for, for you guys to partake in such an amazing experience. So where we're going to do this is it's designed for busy women, just like the podcast, right? So we're going to have each um, woman expert give her best advice in her category. and then she's gonna share a bonus if she has a bonus to share. And then at the end of that, we're gonna take questions for the from the audience. So if you have any kind of aha moment, you know, when you hear something, feel free to pop it in the chat because you might not be like the only one who has that aha moment. Um, and if you have any questions, you know, for us at the end, please you know make sure you put them in the chat along the way. And if you want to specify for a particular speaker, then um, specify that in the question. If not, we'll just think it's for like general, the general panel, right? So with that said, I'm so excited. This is gonna be awesome. Um, and I really hope you hear something that just might, you know, make a change in your life. So with that said, we're gonna get started. First up is gonna be Lisa David Olson. And we're gonna put her slide up. <laughs> Hi, Lisa, welcome. You're on mute. Sorry, I can't hear you. Uh, so Lisa is an expert in life and business. She helps new speakers find the essence of their valuable message worth delivering and can share top-notch information on getting to the TEDx stage and or starting their book. She's a speaker, speaker trainer, improv ninja, multi-TEDx speaker, author, and podcaster, and I actually could go on and on. We just had to make everything fit in this small space. So, Lisa, what's the best advice you can share in life and business?
3: The first piece of advice is unmute when you're the first speaker. How about that? So, uh, what I said was, thank you, Angela, for gathering all these fantastic bodies around the screen. Thank you so much. Nice to see everyone. The life and business, so I think there's no such thing as work-life balance, all right? If, you're, if you think you're gonna find that, stop it. But what you can do is try to do what feeds your soul. And one of the things I've learned that helps my business and my life is supporting others. So the support of those like-minded entrepreneurs or maybe you're an author, support other authors, Get on their social media. Don't just like a post, give it a love, add a comment, get in LinkedIn, give them a recommendation, give some support that costs you nothing. And instead of scrolling, scrolling through TikTok as we're all guilty, give some support, some comments, some pictures, some love, because it comes back. You just don't know where you're going to network. And that will help because if you're just clicking like or only looking, lurking as we are known to do, Let's support each other, because that also changes the algorithm of all of your feeds, whether it's Instagram or Facebook is my favorite one. And so make sure you're doing that. Supporting each other really matters. And that um, and also I want you to explore. So I'm going to ask everyone to think of what you could explore. Is it go out in your yard barefoot like my good friend Lori that joined us here? I know she's outside barefoot every night. Um, Are you going to go and explore and look at things from a child's level, from your cat or dog's level, look at things differently, let your mind be free, do some of that nature exploring to just settle and ground yourself. So it's not all about social media. okay? so there's that kind of balance. So we want to reconnect with ourselves as much as with others. So it's not all about a sale. It's about connection. My platform is humor and the connectivity of Humor. And if anybody wants to reach out, I have the bonus slide. I'm trying to stay within time here, Angela. Am am I doing four minutes? Yes. (laughs) We're actually doing great. I'm always mindful of the time. And if anybody does want to connect to learn more about speaking, I love to work with brand new speakers, help you find your message. I'm a professional nag. I will help you get your book started. And if you want to do a one-on-one, learn more about the TEDx stage, I'm about to do my third one. I'm very excited about that. There is... Um, um, kind of a pathway to get there, I can teach you what I know. And if you want to do a one-on-one with me, I will do one, uh, a one hour for $200 and you will get the PDF booklet, launch your speaking career for free. And don't be fooled. You don't have to be a speaker to want this booklet. It's also about connecting with your business and reaching out to people. And I have all different ways, even including snail mail, because hardly anyone does that. So thank you so much, and I will watch for any questions in the comments. Thank you again for including me amongst these fantastic speakers tonight, and thanks to everyone who tuned in, because you're pretty smart.
2: That was awesome. Thank you so much. And you know what? Sometimes nag is a good thing, right? <laughs> to help us propel, you know, to our next level. So that exactly. awesome. Uh, so next up, we have Tiffany Obang. Tiffany, if you could come to the stage. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and all of the wonderful speakers. So Tiffany is an expert and we're gonna bring her slide up in a moment. Business. <laughs> She's an expert in lots of things, but I had to specify just for this this summit, her expertise is business. So she's a principal author and owner of Sugar Cookie Books Publishing Imprint, and she created over 20 inspirational and educational children's books featuring Black children and families. And what's so awesome, I just have to add this, is when I first created her slide, um, I had information that was like maybe six months ago, and (laughs) the number of books was like I don't know, it was a smaller. And she was like, no, you need to update. It's now over 20. So it's pretty amazing. So thank you for being here, Tiffany. What's the best advice you can share when it comes to business? Hey, y'all, of course, <laughs> right when
1: I'm about to speak, the family just comes busting in, but <laughs> I'll shoot them away. All right, so the best advice that I will provide is that business success is not about perfection. It's about resilience. I'm gonna say that again. Business success is not about perfection, it's about resilience. As a business owner, we're going to make mistakes. They're gonna be big mistakes or small mistakes. Um, These mistakes will likely be public because they're our business and our business is something that other people can see. And therefore they're gonna be embarrassing. But to me, in my experience, what makes our mistakes embarrassing is because it shows that we're just human and that we're not perfect. For some reason, as business owners, we forget that we're also human and therefore we're going to make mistakes. So of course we should always strive to provide the best service and the best product, but what happens when in doing so, we make a mistake? Our instinct may be to hide our mistake, ignore it, cover it up, or quit. And of course we can do all of those things, but it's actually what we do after mistakes that makes the difference. After we throw our pity party, we have to shake it off We have to get back up and we have to be honest with a solution. We have to say, hey, I have this problem or I made this mistake and this is how I'm going to fix it. Even if the fix is financially expensive, you must fix it and you have to do it quickly and with candor and with honesty because resilience overcomes all mistakes and keeps us moving onward onward and upward toward business success. And I know that was probably only a minute, but that is my best advice.
2: (laughs) I think that's great. I think that's great. And it's very like important for people to keep in mind because it's so easy to get caught up and just take everything personally and let that just derail your plans and your goals.
1: Yes. And I made some mistakes. So I'm speaking from experience. I was so scared to admit a couple of times. If you heard my podcast um, segment, I talked about how I made a mistake or knew I wasn't feeling right about something. And then I was called out and I was so embarrassed and I was so hurt. But then as I shook it off, I moved forward and it's been great. I've made mistakes since then. And it was financially expensive. I'm like, I'm a micro business. (laughs) So (laughs) fix this mistake. I thought it was going to ruin the relationship, but because I was honest, quick, and had a solution, it's continued our relationship. So resilience, our business success is based on resilience,
2: not our perfection. Love it. Thank you so much. So next up, we have Beth. We'll get her slide up here in a moment. Um, Beth is a founder of Solify Wellness. (laughs) She's also appeared in major media publications such as the London Free Press. And she's a certified hypnotist like me, (laughs) marriage coach, teacher of psychology and Reiki energy practitioner. So Beth, thank you so much for being here. Um, when it comes to love, what's the best advice you can share?
4: That is a great question. And thank you for having me. You know what, when it comes to marriages, relationships, when it comes to marriages in particular, 80% are unhappy. So there's a lot of us that can use some advice and that's varying degrees. We're not saying all 80% are on the verge of divorce, but there's a lot of unhappy marriages. And so just a quick example, two of my past clients, we'll call one Betty. She'd been married seven years. She'd have four kids under the age of six. Her and her husband, they tried couples counseling. It went really well because they're very good talkers. They're good leaders. They're able to get along with the therapist. They had lots of um good conversations. But what happened is they get home and a couple of weeks later, they'd fall back to old path. They get into arguing, yelling, shutting down, feeling resentful because the wife was doing all the work she felt like around the house. And then I have this other client, Kara, and I'll tell you a little bit about her before I get into advice. Her husband cheated on her. They did therapy. Things got a lot better. Their communication was better. Things are better, but she was still plagued with like these obsessive thoughts. So although they did these interventions, they still were struggling. And so when it comes to advice, there's new evidence out there to show that there's different ways to approach your relationships. And the one that I would suggest it's rooted in neuroscience and psychology, which is so powerful. Um, All these women had one more try in them. Like I'm not done, but they are super on the verge of divorce. And so what happened was they used a strategy called transforming yourself to transform your relationship. One person has the power to transform a marriage. And the key of the key for this is that when one partner can really get to the root of a lot of the issues that are driving those surface things, like laundry on the floor, bothering you crumbs on the counter, snarky remarks that really trigger another partner. When you can get to the root of that, by tackling what I call the belief. So if the belief was you hear your partner say something and it triggers you to think I'm not enough or I'm just not being heard. So you're really angry. Like he doesn't hear me. She doesn't hear me, which then creates the thought. She doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about me. So all of a sudden we have this belief that I'm not enough. I've never heard to the thought of, why what's the point of trying he doesn't care about me anyway and so what happens is we get this belief we get that thought that he doesn't care about me or she doesn't care about me anyway which then drives a behavior of possibly arguing which then drives a behavior of constant arguments and it's a big cycle so how do we interrupt this there's the advice we need to get to the root of that belief the belief that i'm not enough or i'm never heard And when we can start to snip that that's that'll create a new thought which will create a new emotion which will then create a new habit And so it's mind-blowing because we have the power to change our marriages, our relationships, not just necessarily love, but everything. If we can get curious with triggers, when you're triggered, we usually don't always know what the belief was, but we definitely feel the emotion. Our body is literally flooded with neurotransmitters. So people say I'm flooded with the emotion of anger. It's a neurotransmitter that's being fired. And so just quickly, when it comes to brain science, it's so easy. We have a neuron, which is a thought it fires saying, Hey, I'm not happy here. It then travels down a neural path, which is an actual structure in our brain, which then fires the neurotransmitter, the the emotion throughout our body. And so, when we we all know the brain, the plasticity of the brain is powerful. We have the power to change our life through thought alone. And this is how you can transform marriage and love by starting to work on saving, healing, fixing relationships through looking at yourself, starting to notice the triggers that are happening. What's the emotion? And really, what's the belief? What are you holding on to? The life-changing thing for a lot of people is you own your own emotions. Your emotions are yours. That neurotransmitter fired a neuro like, sorry, that uh, neural pathway then fired a neuron on a neural pathway, fired a neurotransmitter in your body, flooded you with cortisol, um, stress. That is your emotion made in your body. People don't make us feel a certain way. We make ourselves feel that way. And so when you can take this ownership into your court and work on yourself to transform yourself, to transform your relationships, it's like, it's mind-blowing the things that will show up in your life.
2: That was awesome. There's my advice. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Do you also have a bonus for everyone?
4: Oh yeah, sure. So anyone who's listening that may be part of that 80% of the kind of unhappy category, I have a guide called three ways to save a marriage and you can go to www.freemarriageguide.com and you can grab your copy of that to get the three
2: strategies. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So next up we have Dionne Jones. Dionne Jones is our health expert tonight and we'll get her slide up here in a second. She is a gerontologist, um, a social worker. She's, here we go. <laughs> She's a personal trainer, um, health coach and an author. Dion, thank you for being here tonight. Where are you? There she is. Hi. Hi. I was waiting for the
0: official unmute. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So you're a health expert tonight. So when it comes to health, what's the best advice you can share?
0: The best advice I can share is start with the end in mind. And as a gerontologist, I say that because no one thinks when you're 5, 10, 15, All those bumps and bruises compound and we feel them in our 50s and 60s and et cetera. Not saying to live in a bubble, but think about how we treat our body across the lifespan, how we treat our mindset across the lifespan and what we put in our bodies across the lifespan because it is like a bank account. That compounding interest is either a great thing if it's money But if it's injuries and trauma, we have to address those. So looking back in my 20s, when I ran track and did all the jumping and all of that stuff, now I started feeling it (laughs) when I got into my 40s and my 50s. And so I worked on retraining my brain, retraining my body, cleansing at a cellular level to start rejuvenating my body from the inside out and so now I share especially with the um older members that I work with and I train my oldest client is 95 and she still cuts her own grass she still drives to class she's phenomenal she plays mahjong she's trying to get me to learn that's another lecture for another day but it is because she decided to start moving It's not aging. It's not about waiting till you're 65. So my best advice is definitely beginning with the end in mind. So if you have young children, just be mindful of that. Be mindful, those chemicals and those little snacks and everything that they're pushing on our children now, they turn into chronic diseases. And we're seeing it a lot earlier now. Children are getting, I mean, Diseases that people usually don't present with until their 40s and 50s. So we have a lot of work to do individually and as a community, but I definitely say start with the end in mind. Let's age well.
2: That's awesome. That's a lot of wisdom. I think there are a lot of moms out there who don't even really think about, you just see the TV commercials, right? And you just, okay, my kids will like the snack and you just buy it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: My grandmother was definitely, if it has a commercial, she would not buy it because she knew that it was being pushed on us for a reason. Ooh, so my, yeah, my husband always laughs at me in my deprived, he calls it a deprived childhood because we, we had wheat germ on our table and things like that. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> my awesome. grandmother vegetarian and, and vegan before that was even a word, but yes. So my, speaking of healthy and watching what you put in your body, um, I like for people to learn about a plant-based life, and it's not for everyone, but I say at least start with one day, like a meatless Monday. So I have a plant-based ebook that you can find at agewithvibrancy.com. It has recipes that you can start. Um, If you are familiar with eating for your blood type, that's just another layer that you can add on to being plant-based because yes, there are vegans that are not a hundred percent well because they may be eating things that aren't great for their blood type. So for instance, I'm an, oi can't eat avocados. I can't eat lentils. And most vegan recipes, vegetarian recipes are chock full of things like that. So just be mindful of that. That's something else that you can explore if you would like to, um, Reach out to me. I can definitely love to do a consultation to help you um, understand your body better because there is no cookie cutter. There's no cookie cutter diet. There's no cookie cutter um, movement plan. It's up to you and what your body can take, what your mind can take, and what your spirit can take. So, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with phenomenal women and to share the message of aging well, living well loving well,
2: and eating well. I love that. Thank you so much, Dion. Thank you. Okay, Next up, we have Trang Nova. She's a a life business expert for tonight. (laughs) And she's another person who had like so many um, like credentials that I couldn't fit everything in the box. So we just like summed it up. (laughs) Life mindset and business mentor for women. (laughs) So thank you for being
5: here, Trang. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here.
2: Awesome. Uh, So when it comes to life and business, what's the best advice you can share?
5: The best advice that I can share for life and business is that change is the only constant. So we can create space to pivot, to evolve, to change in who we are and how we show up in our business. And the reason why I want, I'd i like to share this is because I have gone through a career change. I've gone through starting a new business and then rebranding a couple of times. And so throughout this process, I have been petrified that if I pivoted, then I would be wasting everything that I had worked for in the last chapter of my life. Especially because it's just so instilled in us from a young age that we marry our one career and our one business for life. It's like, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? It assumes that it's going to be one thing for life. But I want to share that pivoting and rebranding our business isn't just true to us and doesn't just feel good, but it actually aids in our business success. Because as we learn more about ourselves and as we learn more about the world, then we start to shift our values and our beliefs and how we show up. And when we align our business with that, especially for personal brands, and you know, I am a personal brand, so if you're listening and if you have a personal brand, this is especially for you. When we align our business and our personal brands with ourselves through and through, And that just shines and that exudes conviction and authenticity, which is exactly what our audiences crave for. In this rapidly evolving world and society where there is more and more AI and as we enter into, as Dan Priestley has coined it, the entrepreneurial revolution, there is more competition and there's a lot more noise than there used to be. So more than ever, it is actually more important and more crucial that we are in complete truth with who we are. So in our personal brands, in our businesses, we've got to allow ourselves the, the, the grace to listen to our heart and to evolve and to pivot and to rebrand as we feel it. It's not going to waste anything that we've worked for. It's not going to trouble our audience. It's only going to invite them in to see more of us. And it's only going to make them more loyal and more trusting of who we are and what we have to offer. So there is a particular business idea or a thought that keeps popping up for you, whether it's over the last few months or even the last few years, if there's a particular thought or a direction that keeps coming up for you when you're in the shower or when you're in bed, then these are the signs that you should pursue that pivot and that new evolution. Because if that keeps coming up, it's on your heart and that's not going to disappear. It's true to you. So m- suppressing it or turning away, no matter how much you want to do that, it's it's only going to keep popping up and it's going to come up stronger, more frequent and more intense each time. So listen and allow. You're allowed to do that and it's only going to work out for you. I love that. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> so and- welcome. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that this would be the most uh kind of like intimate bonus for what I'm speaking about. You know, if you're someone and you feel like you're at crossroads and you're not sure, like, should I take this path? Am I just getting distracted? Am I just chasing the next new shiny thing? Or is this true to me? If this is you, then I would encourage you to check out this free ebook, Uncover your purpose and create your dream life. Um, This is the process that I personally used that ended my quarter life crisis when I was feeling so torn about whether I should continue with the career that I had finished my university master's on or start my new business. This is what gave me clarity. So I'd like to offer this and gift this to you.
2: I love it. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. That's awesome advice because the worst thing you want to experience is regret. So when you feel that nudge, just like she said, just, just go for it. Just like trust. You don't want to have any regrets. You don't get the time back. Right. So I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Next up, we have Trina Hill. Trina is a career expert. There we are. And we're going to put her slide up in a second. She has so much. (laughs) She has so many credentials. (laughs) Okay, so this is what we managed to fit in the box. Um, She's SVP and technology leader for the consumer bank and treasury at a fintech, MBA in leadership and business administration. She provides mentorship to young women in STEM programs like Girls Who Code, and she's Mm -hmm. a founder of TechCare, um, such an amazing platform, and it offers a psychologically safe environment for women of color. So Trina, thank you so much for being yeah. here. Thank you for having me. I'm so
6: excited. Great tips from um, all the women thus far. Um, you, you've done a great job, Angela, of assembling an amazing group of women. So first, thank you for just honoring me, um, giving me the opportunity to be here and just you know, to, to even just be in your presence is always a blessing as well.
2: Oh, you're so sweet. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so when it comes to fear, what's the thank best y'all. advice you can share?
6: Yeah, so the acronym I I came up with was PURE, P-U-R-E, because I think that anytime I talk about career, I could tell you tons of certifications and tons of experiences you can get, but I really think it comes back actually to a point that um, Trang made, which is really about passion and results. So, PURE means P is for passion, um, U is understanding, R is for results, and then E is for execution. And so... When I when I when I coach clients and and talk to even staff that I have first of all you need to ask yourself what are you really passionate about? Not what your mother said you should do when you grow up. Not what your friends said that you're really good at, but what back to the heart, what is on your heart? What could you stay up and do all night long? What are you really passionate about? And you may need some time to process that because a lot of times especially as women we're not given the space to think about what we want to do or what we're passionate about. We're kind of told what to do. Um, so I would say, number one, sit with yourself. Give yourself grace and some space to say, what am I really passionate about? Like, where do I want to spend my time? Um, and then the next piece is sit in it and understand it. Well, why are you passionate about it? So, for instance, I have a soft spot for women, Specifically right now, women of color in technology, because that's where I sit. And I hear all of these stories of these women who are going through crazy situations and there's brokenness, but there's connection there. And there's an opportunity for me to love them and serve them and also tell them they're not crazy. Right. So I understand that passion because I also have walked that walk. Right. So you for understanding R is results. What do you want the end result to be? What experience do you want? So in your career, do you want to work from home? Do you want to go into office? Um, do you need flexibility? If you're a mom, you know, do, you, do you need to work in an environment where they provide you flexibility, where you can stop doing what you're doing at three o'clock in the afternoon, get in the car and head and get, go get your kid from school to take him to baseball? Do they provide that flexibility? Do you want to sit in the office every day, right? What experience do you want to have at work? Do you want to be in a job where you have opportunities to learn and do more diverse things? Or do you want to do the exact same thing every day? What do you want your work experience to be like? Right. Do you want to work for someone or do you want to be a business owner or do you want to do both? So I think you've got to think about in addition to your passions and and getting clear on why you why you have that passion. What do you want the end result to be? And then the last piece is E is execute. Cause I love us and we're women and we definitely take care of everybody else but ourselves, but you owe it to yourself to have a good career because we spend a lot of time with people that we work with. It's not the traditional nine to five anymore. I know for tech, especially if we're having production issues, it could be a 12, 14 hour day. Right. And if I'm not passionate about the work, I'm not getting any, love or joy out of it. It's not meeting my result. It's going to be hard for me to execute. (laughs) And it's probably going to show up back to a number of things. People, my health, my attitude, there's not going to be childlike behavior, me, you know, walking through the grass or even eating healthy. I'm going to go to things that say that's savory and sweet for me. That's comforting to me versus eating the apple that I should eat. And so when you think in terms of your career, you've got to be pure, right? So just to recap, P for passion, U for understanding, R for results, and then E, you owe it to yourself to execute. So that would
2: be my career advice. Oh, I love that. That's powerful. Um, okay. And you have a bonus for everyone? I do. So
6: the first five people that reach out, um, I will give you a 30-minute coaching session. Um, and we can talk about career. We can talk about life. I am in this interesting season where I call it the panini season, where I have, um teenager who is going to college, but also aging parents. And then, of course, the career um, as well as my business. And, and, and I don't call it the sandwich anymore because I think we all are being pressed from both sides um, in this season, especially as we're coming out of COVID. So I look forward to serving you in any capacity um, that 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 you give me the pleasure to serve you. And again, thank you, Angela, for just creating this
2: platform and, and bringing these wonderful women together. Oh, thank you so much, Trina. You're amazing. <laughs> you too. <laughs> okay, next up we have a dynamic duo. <laughs> we have Allegra Ramos and Natasha Corrigan. Hi, ladies. Hello. Let's see. If Hi. We can spotlight you, and then bring your your slide up. And where's Allegra? Here we are. Oh, they're both wearing yellow. It's so bright and cheery. <laughs> I love it. Um. Okay. So these amazing ladies, um, are experts in life, right? Um, they're authors of three books with actionable, accessible, science-backed content, and they're on a mission to help moms and caregivers prioritize themselves, save time, and accomplish their goals, which is huge. So when it comes to life, what's the best advice you ladies can share?
7: Well, Trina really set us up perfectly. The segue from her to us is perfect. So thanks for inviting us to be a part of this amazing gathering. When it comes to life, the best advice we can share as moms and caregivers is to find a way to prioritize yourself through self-care.
8: And self-care is such a big buzzword right now. And it really is more than just mani-pedis and massages, which is wonderful and lovely, but It's about taking the necessary steps to ensure your emotional, physical, and mental well-being on the regular.
7: Yeah. You know when you're on an airplane and the flight attendant comes out and says, be sure to put on your oxygen mask before you help anybody else, right? What they don't say is, because if you're dead in the aisle, you can't actually
8: help anybody. True. Right. So- As a caregiver, or I love, I love this, the the last suggestion, like we're not part of a sandwich generation, we're part of the panini generation because we're getting squeezed. It's so tempting for us to go ahead and put put other people first, deplete yourself, give, 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 give. So when you prioritize yourself, you ensure that your tank is full. And I want to just stress this, a lot of times, This idea of like, fill your own tank or put them oxygen mask on first that you're good for everyone else. But really like, it's okay to pivot that idea into put that oxygen mask on yourself. So you're good for you first, first and foremost without burning yourself out, yes. And eventually be available for others.
7: Yeah, over two thirds of working parents say that they're burnt out. And if you're a mom or a woman of color, it's an even higher percentage. You know, when we see the hashtag, (laughs) self-care is selfish, we're like, ah, you know, because moms, caregivers, we can't sacrifice ourselves on the altar of our families forever, right? Eventually we have nothing left to give.
8: So all this talk about self-care, what's our best advice around self-care? One of the simplest ways to incorporate self-care that we find a way to prioritize yourself, your mental health, your physical health is by developing a morning ritual.
7: Yeah. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that my morning ritual keeps me sane because it ensures that I'm fed, I'm hydrated. I get in some movement. I take my supplements, which are no longer a random thing, right? Like I'm in that age where I must take my supplements. It makes sure my morning ritual makes sure that I take care of me.
4: So
8: if you're thinking, oh my God, I can't possibly squeeze one more thing into my morning. That sounds absolutely insane. (laughs) I'm not talking about like you know, uh, Tony Robbins level of, of morning ritual. That's cool if you've got that, you know, yeah. that's awesome. But if you've listened to, if you've found out what his, if you've heard about his, his yeah. morning ritual is crazy town. I mean, it's awesome, fantastic. Good free if you can do that. But we're not talking about like that level. We're just talking about really, it's important to go ahead and start with something small. We suggest starting really something small. And instead of thinking about 20 minutes of meditation, What about one minute right now? Personally, I'm trying to go ahead and put stretching into my morning routine. I'm starting off with one minute of stretching. That's one minute more than I've been doing. And if I'm doing that every single day for the rest of the year, that's 365 more minutes than I've been doing for, right? Chances are though, you're going to, you're going to stretch a little longer than a minute, but (laughs) start small.
7: Yeah. And if you're not sure where to start with your morning ritual, we do have a suggestion for you, which is making your bed. There were huge brain science nerds, like some of the other speakers. And there's a crazy amount of research that shows that making your bed first thing in the morning has many benefits besides just tidying up your room. It's actually a habit that's called a keystone habit because it trickles out and has other benefits. So it, it actually, so it straightens your room obviously, but it also gives you a little dopamine hit because you have the sense of fulfillment and optimism. You feel more in control of your day, but perhaps most surprising is that the process of unmaking the bed to get into it actually sets you up for a better night of sleep. And don't we all need that?
8: Seriously. So maybe you're, <laughs> your, you're like, okay, cool. I already make my bed. Good for you. So you want to ask yourself, what can you do to support yourself to get the day off on the right foot? Maybe you want to drink more water, put a glass of, water by your bedside the night before if possible like i said before maybe you want to you know grab 1 minute of meditation 2 minutes of meditation uh, small little things that you wedge in um and if you can incorporate that with something you're already doing all the better if you can hook something up into like you already brush your teeth every morning what can you kind of tie into that that you know you should be doing like maybe you're not super great about putting on the sunscreen every day what if you hook that and into the flossing flossing <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. So these small moments build upon each other and signal for you that this is this time is for me. So while you're I I love drinking my pint of water in the morning because I'm thinking to myself, this is for me. And it's just it's really mostly a mental approach, you know, and of course, I'm getting hydrated, too. But it's just that little moment where I have I take it for me and prioritize myself, prioritize myself at the beginning of the day.
7: And we can tell you from personal experience that not only does your morning ritual keep you you know, fed, hydrated, and more supple, it also makes a big mental difference because when you have these things that you want to do but aren't doing, they keep like kind of popping up in your head like whack-a-mole, right? Like, did you take your supplements? Did you drink? Un- did you move? Did you do this? Did you do that? When you do all those things first thing in the morning, you'll find that your brain is so much quieter and you can be more focused and present for the rest of your day.
8: Yeah. And again, I can't stress that keep it simple. We're, we're not about like put more on your plate. You don't have to suddenly carve out an extra hour in the morning. You want to get up earlier? Great. But you could start with something really simple. Um, Tim Ferriss, the author of the four hour work week, he loves to invite us to ask the question. If there's a simple way to do this, what would it be? You know, so a lot of times we want we can overcomplicate. I know me, like I was like morning routine. Okay, I want to put eighteen thousand things into my morning, right? Um, <laughs> work out before the kids get up. Like just keep it simple and really great for you because self care can be simple and it's really important. Yeah, we like to say self care is health care, and taking care of yourself first, prioritizing yourself first is not selfish. Not only does it make you more available for others, but more importantly, want you to know that you're worth taking care of.
2: Love that. This is definitely a dynamic duo. You guys (laughs) from from every angle. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, And you have a bonus for people, right? Mm
7: -hmm. We do. So our, we actually have a book called rock your morning, which is all about creating a morning ritual. However, we know, again, brain science nerds, we know some people like to read, some people like to watch. We have a free video series for you. It every So if you sign up for the video series, you'll get one video a day. Each video is only two minutes long and you'll get it three days in a row, all about helping you to create your morning ritual. And we don't tell you what to put in your ritual. We just talk to you about how to create one. Oh, that's awesome.
2: That's awesome. So definitely get everybody off on the right foot.
8: <laughs> yes us, Angela. We're so pleased to be here.
2: Oh, thank you so much for being here. Okay. And you guys did an excellent job at wrapping up the the speed advice session. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to segue into Q and a. So if you guys have any questions in the audience, please put them in the chat or please raise your hand and we will be happy to answer your questions. And I also have some questions that were sent to me um, prior to this. So, Either way, we have some questions for you guys because you guys are full of so much wisdom. So I will actually start it off. um, First question, this will be for Lisa. Lisa, where are you? So first question for you is, why is humor a serious business? Can you unmute Lisa? There you go.
3: I was struggling with it. Why is humor a serious business? Because humor is actually necessary. And first of all, I want to thank all the speakers. I have been scrambling, taking notes. Um, I already got my my book from, um, got to look at names, from Dion And uh, don't miss out on her awesome cookbook and everybody's freebies. Thank you so much. Um, humor is a serious business because there's a health in humor. There's a connectivity in humor. And so when we laugh, it actually, and now you're going to think about this later, it demands your focus. You could not be hearing a joke and you know that someone's setting up a joke. You have to be there. You can't be doing this thing or watching over here. It demands your focus. So that's one. It also raises your endorphins. It lowers your blood pressure and it releases nature's serotonin. Ah, so that we can crawl into our bed that we made this morning. I love that. So there is the connectivity of humor. And um, join me on Facebook. I do serious selfies with strangers. It was just this goofy thing I started. I'll approach a stranger. I dare myself. I'm an improv ninja. Walk up and say, hey, can we get a picture together? Sure. I've never been turned down. And then I, I raise up my cell phone and I go, oh, wait, don't smile. And so you're like this, (laughs) that's silly. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And by the way, trying to be a straight face makes you laugh. So try that with your friends and family later, try and get a serious selfie, send it to me. What happened from doing that dare to myself, I ended up making connections by being engaged with another human, by getting my face out of my phone, by paying attention to things around me. I accidentally have friends from eight years ago from doing serious selfies. So I dare you all to do a serious selfie later. Remember, more punchlines, less headlines, look up your favorite show bloopers and laugh yourself healthy. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I see Phyllis Lipford agrees with you. She said laughter is good medicine and she quoted a scripture.
3: Oh, thank you. Wonderful. That's awesome.
2: Okay, let's see. And I have a question for Tiffany. Where's Tiffany? There you are um why so you wrote so many books right why did you start like what made you start writing for children
1: so as I've said I'm trying to make sure it stays succinct so um I first wrote my very first book Andrew learns about actors as like a legacy thing, a bucket list thing, something to do with my son. We both enjoy reading. We both enjoy TV. We both enjoy interacting with the TV. And it just got me thinking, like, while I understand that these are actors, does he, who was four at the time, understand that actors and characters are different? And so that kind of started me on the journey of writing Andrew Learns About Actors. And it really became, I guess, relevant when Chadwick Boseman, uh, Black Panther, passed away to explain the difference between actors and the characters that they play. Okay, so that was my voyage into becoming a published author. Shortly after that, I released Andrew Learns About Teachers, which was about teachers and a true ode to teachers because it was released during a pandemic. And my husband and my mom are educators, and to see them having a pivot <laughs> during that period was just like, we need to show people that one, they're also unsung heroes, and our kids need to know that. Yes, teachers, you see them every day in your classroom, but this is something you can aspire to be, especially like our young black boys. So as I'm putting Andrew Learns About Teachers onto my son's bookshelf, I start thinking, and I have like these statistics about how there's not really diverse children's books. So I'm like, you know what? His uh, bookshelf is kind of lacking diversity. Like what he has on it is pretty much Andrew Learns About Actors and Andrew Learns About Teachers. So at that point, I knew that I could do something and I did something. So I started publishing more books. That kind of just started me on the roll to publishing more books. And so within, so I went from two books within a span of six months to 10 books within a span of eight months to 20 books within a span of two and a half years. Um, Yeah. And it was just because I want our kids to be able to see themselves. I want, my mission is to inspire, educate, and normalize our Black children. Um, I'm hoping that by being able to show Black readers and non-Black readers our kids in normal everyday situations or in spaces where they have historically been absent, including literature, including workplaces, that everyone can see that our kids, especially our Black boys, are just like your kids. So protect our kids like you protect yours. And um, so, yeah, that's... How I ended
2: <laughs> where we are today. I love that. It's definitely a need for that. That's that's yeah, you're doing like a, a service, <laughs> public service. Um Dion, there's a question for you in the chat. Irene Lyons would like to know can you explain more about eating for your blood type?
0: Yes. So um There is a book called Four Diets, Four Blood Types. But I was introduced to this, like I said, my grandmother was ahead of her time. We we were the family with the wheat germ and the water distiller in the basement. So (laughs) (laughs) she began to realize that when we ate certain things, it triggered irritation or skin irritation or inflammation in our bodies. And she started like, studying us not like lab rats but she started taking food away and noticing and just she did her own experiment basically to find out what happened I mean to find out and she realized about six months that okay your blood type is different than your brother and you can eat this and he can't so basically what it is is there are different blood types A, O. A, B, we're not going to worry about all the negatives and positives at the moment, but certain foods act like poison to certain blood types. They're beneficial to others. And there are neutral foods. So I'm an O and I am quote unquote supposed to be a carnivore. I wasn't raised one. So that's interesting. But. If I eat something that's against my blood type, like I have, I love avocados. I was raised in California. When I was younger, my body could fight it off. But as I'm getting a little more seasoned, it can't. And as soon as I eat it, my nose starts running. I can feel joint discomfort. So there is a science behind eating for your blood type. And it's, um, I do a bio scan. That's a, I mean, we can definitely talk offline, Irene. But um, definitely, it has... um, Really changed my life. Like I said, my grandmother taught it to me. It didn't have a name. It was just, she said, this is making you sick. And we need to find out why. And down the road, we found out that it was actually science behind it. So yeah, eating for your blood type is science based. Thank you to the the two fabulous ladies with the roses. <laughs> yes yeah, science based i believe in science based as well so definitely so that's just the tip of the iceberg that's a whole
2: nother dissertation <laughs> yeah that's actually really informative there are a lot of people who haven't like never heard of the blood type you know being affected by what you eat or or vice versa so that thing, that's amazing that's good to know um let's see i think we have a question for beth Beth, how does one identify their triggers? Great question. Usually it's with an emotion. So anytime you're feeling an emotion that you
4: don't like, well, you know what? You can be triggered happy like, to feel happy as well. Like, you can be triggered to feel a, a good emotion. But usually when we talk about triggers, it's an unwanted emotion, anger, fear, jealousy, those types of emotions. And we recognize the emotion. We don't like it. So it's what we do next with it. And if we're acting in a way that's what I, what I would say inauthentic, like you get mad, sad, sad's okay. Actually, most of the time sad's okay. But if you're acting in a way that's going to like derail part of your day, or it's going to linger longer than I don't, I don't want to say should, but for, for lack of time we can say should that means you're being triggered and usually we're triggered because of a couple of things it's usually maybe past trauma it could be your inner child it could be pain or wounds like especially with your partner if you're so annoyed with them and once again not helping you put the kids to bed um, those are things that will often trigger us our partner's words their actions their lack of actions is what triggers us so yeah emotions are powerful when I work with clients, they don't even sometimes know how they feel. They just don't like the way their body feels and they can't name it. So we always have to label the emotion. It's just knowing like the way you feel.
2: Great. Thank you so much. Um, I did have a question. Let's see. Trang, this one came in for you. Um, If I could go back in time, if you could go back in time, what's the one thing that you would tell your
5: 18-year-old self? Hmm. The one thing that I tell my 18-year-old self is... It will be okay. And I know this sounds so cliche, but the reason why I would say this is because she had this set vision for her future, this set idea that she was going to go down this path, become this, and that was it. But there's more than one way to be okay, you know? Like this this one vision is just this story that you've become attached to. It's just one pathway there are an infinite amount of pathways you could go down and you will be okay and happy in more than one pathway you know people have this really uh people have this habit of labeling certain things as being right and other things as wrong or people will label uh something as oh this will make you happy but you you might regret doing that but really there's so many ways that you can be happy and be okay So allow that fluidity in your life and allow yourself to live this one lifetime, but with multiple lifetimes within it, because why not? Why not have multiple lifetimes and experience all the different chapters that you can with this one human experience and just soak it up as much as you can? You'll be okay. You'll make it okay. Love it. Thank you so much. Trina.
2: Founder of TechCare, can you share the most impactful memory you can think of um, as a result of starting your TechCare group? Oh, my goodness. Um,
6: The one that comes to mind that is sad but still was a blessing to be in this experience was um, I had a client call me, and she had been dealing with a lot of microaggressions and, quite frankly, abuse at her job. And, you know, it's, you know, a lot of times we talk about aggressions, but the reality is almost like death by a thousand cuts every day. If someone is telling you you're not good enough or they're constantly questioning your background or um, putting you in situations where you have glass cliff assignments. So they kind of set you up to fail and not give you the resources that you need in order for you to be successful on top of all a number of the things that a number of these women have already talked about, like we life is always lifing. Um, She reached out to me and was in tears and at the time was contemplating suicide. And I was honored to be able to just sit in that space and give her space to process because a lot of us are very strong women and people expect for us not to be human. They expect for us to just suck it up move on, right? Not take care of ourselves as, as, as the ladies talked about. But giving her the space to process without judgment and then partnering with her on this is what we need to do to get you out because your life is more and worth more than a job. Wow. Your life is worth more than a job. So I would say that to me was really the, the key for me to say, yes, I know I'm in the right place because we have women's lives in the balance. It's not just black women. It's not just Asian women. I mean, it's all of us. Cause one of us commits suicide due to a work environment situation that could have easily have been us,
1: yeah. right?
6: And so I don't wanna lose another woman who walks, who has greatness inside of her, but the wrong environment is stripping her of that. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's powerful. I'm glad you repeated, you know, what you said like multiple times, because someone used to tell me, don't stress out so much at work, because if something happens to you, you will be, repl- you'll have someone in your seat the next day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. And I did have a question for the dynamic duo. <laughs> Why do you say self-care is health care?
7: Um, Well, it's interesting because there was a wonderful article in Prevention Magazine about how this move away from self-care is this idea of the manny petties and really realizing that, you know, we're our own first line of defense. No one can do self-care for you, just like no one can exercise for you. I mean, hey, we'd all like someone to exercise for us, right? No one can eat your greens for you. No one can drink your water for you you're the only one who can do that. And, you know, just to kind of tie up what everyone else was saying, like, you know, you need to exercise now for your 80 year old self, you need to eat now for your 80 year old self. Um, Healthcare, right? There's a there's a saying that is a uh, good food is wait, and probably someone can finish this for me. It's a, uh, you know, food is medicine. And it's with if you eat good food you won't need medicine if you eat bad food medicine won't help and that's the same thing like if you don't sleep enough if you don't exercise if you don't take care of your mental well-being the doctors aren't going to help
8: yeah it's on the level of of it, taking it off the level of like a luxury and putting it on something as as prioritized or as important as healthcare right? Healthcare, like this preventative, we have a different kind of like health system in this country where we, it's, it's a lot of like, you know, kind of showing up and triaging as opposed to preventative. And this is self-care is, you know, taking care like Allegra said earlier, her morning routine helps her stay sane, you know? And I think that I used to, I personally used to relate to self-care as like we said before, like a luxury or like every once in a while going out and hanging out with my, my girlfriends and, and, and going ahead and, and you know, doing something like a, like a mani-pedi, right. As opposed to it's really shifted over the last few years to like, this is actually necessary. And, and this idea of like paying myself last um, is not working out for anybody. Cause I am like, you know, I'm not, I'm stressed out. I'm frazzled with my kids and, and my, and in my work life, if I'm not taking care of myself. So it really is. It's on that front end of prevention and healthcare. It's that
2: important. It's not a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so easy. That's easy to forget because a lot of times people think self-care is being selfish and that that's a bad thing mm-hmm. when you actually have to be selfish so that you're the foundation, you know, to take care of what you need to take care of because no one else is going to take care of yourself as well as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, So I love that. Thank you ladies so much. Um, If you could, let's see, I don't know if you're able to mute yourself. Can you, are you able to unmute yourselves? You cannot. Admin, can you unmute everyone? Okay. Speed round. If you can think of one word to describe women or anything to motivate or encourage, what would you say? Dion. Warrior. Lisa.
5: Brave. Trina. Powerful. Trang. I was going to say powerful. Um, I will say loving. Natasha. Resilient.
2: Allegra, Creative. Tiffany. Resilient.
8: That was
1: my whole thing. Uh, Leader. (laughs) (laughs) And Beth.
4: Intuitive.
2: Mm. Okay. So that wraps it up for us tonight. Thank you all so much for joining us. Speakers. You guys, I already said you were amazing in the beginning and you just like surpassed that tenfold. I appreciate you so much. Thank you guys for being so like present and heart focused and really sharing your wisdom with everybody so graciously.
3: Thank you for leading us. Thank Thank you. you, Thank you, Angela for convening this. Thank you. All right.
2: Good night. Have a good
0: night. Thank you
3: so much. (laughs)
4: Bye. Thank you, Angela thank you so much
0: Unmake make up and make up that bed
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. yes
0: make the bed <laughs> good night good night good night thank you angela
1: thank you